This is an ABC podcast. I actually find working from home was really lonely in lockdown. Working from home can be quite lonely from time to time. I'm really blessed that I have my pets here with me. What we call is relatedness. So it's having, everyone has like a human need for for connection and belonging to a people or group or organization. And through not actually being able to develop those relationships, we're actually missing that psychological connection to people. And so this is self-determination theory, which you know predicts that people do need that sort of autonomy and confidence, but also relatedness. And I think it's that relatedness that we lose when we're at home. We don't get that need met. Yes, that's right. It's not just about getting the job done when we're working hybridly, it's about the connections we make. And this has been lost when we're working from home, and this is making us feel, well, lonely. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and on This Working Life, I'm going to keep you company as we understand how the current hybrid work model can leave us feeling lonely and disconnected, and what to do about it. Hi, my name is Mark Mortensen. I'm an Associate Professor of Organisational Behaviour at INSEAD, based here in France. And are you a hybrid worker yourself, Mark? I have to admit, I am a hybrid worker. But I've been a hybrid worker for quite a while. So this is not a new thing. This is not a just-because-of-COVID thing or just post-COVID. This is really the result of the way that I like working. I do a lot of work either here, right now I'm here at home, or working in everything from coffee shops to third places, that sort of thing. And when you're working from home, do you get lonely sometimes? I I wish that I could say that I figured it all out. And so I know how to do it perfectly without any adverse effects. And I feel great and I feel wonderful all the time. But loneliness is, is part of that. You know, we have to recognize that part of what we get when we're working in the office is social connection and relationships and a sounding board when we have a new idea, a shoulder to lean on when we're having a bad day, uh, or even just somebody to gripe to when something isn't quite working right. And so all of that is such a is such a critical piece of what we get when we're in the office, but we tend not to think about it. So just like everybody else, I have the same the same challenges when I'm working from home where I realize I just don't have that stuff. And so what are some of the side effects, shall we say, of lonely workers and how it can impact well-being and work? Well, it plays on a lot of different ways. And it really, one of the issues we have to recognize is it's personal. It depends on on you and what you're looking for. Lonely, when we talk about loneliness, for example, loneliness is defined as your environment doesn't provide you what you need. By definition, that means what you need is an important piece of that. So, you know, if you, Lisa, need different things than I do, you could be lonely in a situation where I'm not or vice versa. In terms of how it plays out, I mean, we know that that this feeling of separation, it can make us feel like we don't have enough of a sense of, of togetherness and enough of a sense of inclusion being involved in something. Um, when we think about all the everything we know about the importance of feeling included, so talking about diversity and equity and inclusion, um, it can actually make you feel a lot less like you're part of something that actually provides you that feeling of connection, that feeling of relationships. And you know, how it plays out differs a lot from person to person. It can be as extreme as triggering depression um, or as, as light as just feeling like, yeah, it's just not quite doing what I, what I want. It's not, it's not quite feeling right. It doesn't feel like home um, from a work sense as much as it used to. Do you think it's a misconception to think of a worker's loneliness as their problem? 
rather than perhaps a byproduct of an unhealthy organizational workplace? It absolutely is. I mean, what we have to recognize is you can't fix loneliness by saying, hey, you, um, you're lonely. Don't be so lonely. You have to recognize that loneliness is actually a structural problem. It's, it's the fact, again, that my environment doesn't give me what I need. Now, of course, you can you can look at solving that through either of two ways. One, you adjust what you need. But that's not very easy to do. This is a, a deep, a personal thing that is required by my psychology, by my personality, etc. I can't just turn that on and off and say, you know what, Mark, don't be so lonely and be fine. So we have to think about this as something that is triggered by the way in which we have designed the work. And if we're working remote and hybrid, that's one way. It's not the only way, though. But thanks to COVID, hybrid work has become a popular way of working and it's here to stay. And Mark, you've been working with Amy Edmondson from Harvard researching the employee value proposition. Can you tell me about this and how this work came about? I was talking to all these companies and lots of them were feeling like, look, everybody's demanding work from home. I've got to do it uh, because I'm going to lose my people. And completely fair, right? The Great Resignation, we've all been talking about this. We've all been stressing about this. Now, one of the ways that they were doing this was, you know, Lisa would say, look, I really want to work from home. And they would say, okay, Lisa, you want to work from home? We give it to you. In effect, if you can think about it, we're kind of trying to buy your allegiance by giving you what you're asking for. And then you're going to stick around. All that sounds great. The problem was I would then speak to executives and I would speak to employees and I would ask them, so now that you're working more from home, do you feel more, less, or the same level of, of connection to your organization? The answer was almost uniformly, oh, much less. You know, I still work here and everything, but it's not the same. So I realized there's a paradox here. We're trying to buy allegiance by giving people something that reduces allegiance. The math doesn't work. And what Amy and I recognized was one of the big problems is we've gotten hyper-focused on this one small piece. It's sort of, it's an over-reduction, reductionist approach, hyper-focused on what is in effect a material offering. Work from home, hybrid work has become a, a bargaining chip in the, in the sort of, we're going to, I'm going to give you this in return for you working for us. It's much the same as compensation or any other thing. Here, what we're talking about is, is recognizing that there are a lot of other things that employees get from their organization, that employees want for them or their organization. And it's not new, but things like learning and development opportunities, things like a sense of community, a sense of connection, things like meaning and purpose. And these things are totally interconnected, aren't they, Mark? Of course. You have to think of them as integrated. Because one of the problems is any one of them can create a trade-off in the other one. And, and this is what we need to recognize. And what I can tell you, I am 100% sure that there are some of your listeners who are listening to all of this and cursing at me right now and, and have been cursing at me probably for the entire time saying, oh, this guy doesn't get it. I'm so much more productive when I'm working at home. It's a fact. I get more stuff done. And this is one of those old school, stuck in the old days. I mean, look, I mean, he's got all this white in his beard. He's clearly out of date, out of touch with reality. And he wants everyone to, to be back in the office. All this doom and gloom about hybrid work and remote work. The reality is you need to also ask yourself, fine, you're super productive working at home. That's awesome. How well are you doing mentoring your junior people? How well are you contributing to the social fabric of what makes your organization what it is? 
what we tend to forget is that part of what we give to our organization is not just the mechanical output of what I produce in a given day. It is more. Part of what I give to my organization is me being there as a sounding board for my peers, me being there as a source of social support. All of these are actually important pieces of the puzzle. And what we've started doing, what we've been doing, is getting really, really focused on just the, oh, but I can deliver in this environment without asking about whether or not I'm delivering on the things that are more social goods. And what's great about this, Mark, is that it's tangible and can be measured. We can actually measure what you want from the organization. We can measure what you feel is most important in your priorities, but also what the organization is providing you. And then use that to really understand that fit between employee and organization. Hello, my name is Kathy. I work as a communications advisor for a disability service provider in regional Victoria. I actually find working from home was really lonely in lockdown. (laughs) I'm living in Geelong, but my company's headquarters are in Melbourne. I go between Melbourne and Geelong, but I find that even working in Geelong is better because I have all these lovely people around me who work in the industry, but not in the communications marketing team. And it's just so nice. And I actually get a lot more um, content than I use in my job and information that I'm able to use just simply by talking to them as well. Okay, so we've been doing quite a bit of research into this. That's Dr. Caroline Knight from Curtin University's Future of Work Institute. And we've actually found that when people are home, obviously, your connections with individuals are less spontaneous. You know, it tends not to be visual. You're often having quick chat messages. So the quality of your relationships maybe become a bit more eroded. So, you know, when you're in the office, you can have more dynamic interactions and, you know, stop in on people and say hi and have spontaneous conversations. You can develop much more meaning and relational aspects. But I think when you're at home, it tends to be much more forced when you do connect with people. So I think that does lead to us feeling a little bit more disconnected from other people. What are the people doing? You can't see them, you know, so you feel a bit more lost and sort of in your own head. I think sometimes that can make you feel a bit more lonely. This is exactly what we found. And when we're working from home, we're probably more likely to be on things like Teams and Zoom. What do we lose when we're meeting on Teams and Zoom then? Yeah, so I think it's not as easy to pick up like cues. You know, often there's like a delay, especially if the internet's pretty bad. You know, I think that means that you can't read other people as well and you can't see people's perhaps, you know, the hand gestures, things like that. Things get a bit lost in the communication. So, our sort of research would say that it's the what we call is relatedness so it's having everyone has like a human need for connection and belonging to a people or group or organization and through not actually being able to develop those relationships we're actually missing that psychological connection to people and so this is self-determination theory which you know predicts that people do need that sort of autonomy and competence but also relatedness and i think it's that relatedness that we lose when we're at home we don't get that need met um, which we, we can do in the workplace. You know, a lot of people like coming to the workplace if it's busy and it's active. And, and it's partly because we get that. We get that those needs for relation met through being in the office. But I think at home, yeah, it just doesn't happen as much. And so we start to, that's when you get these sort of malaises and sort of you start to feel a bit more melancholy, you know, maybe more anxiety, more loneliness and isolation. Working from home can be quite lonely from time to time. I'm really blessed that I have my pets here with me. 
Hi, my name is Kathy Ngo. I'm an HR and communications consultant specializing in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I work from home mostly five days a week, um, sometimes the odd weekend or two. I do find working from home a little bit lonely at times. Uh, most of the time I am home by myself. Uh, it's just myself and my mini zoo. But other than that, uh, I do miss that face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, my personality is quite extroverted, so I, I do miss that people interaction. It's very easy to get burnt out at home, so you need you need that human interaction. Well, personally for me, I need that human interaction because that's often uh, quite energising too. So Caroline, is there a magic ratio of days spent working at home and then in the office for us to offset those feelings of loneliness? Yeah, there's been some research on this. It actually does show that it's around two to two and a half. So any more than two and a half at home is meant to be a bit too much, which I think probably would mean, you know, that you can't really offset the problems, I guess, with home working, you know, around relational issues with colleagues. So that is what we found. And it's generally what people prefer, actually, as well, is around two days a week at home. So those two things sort of align. But to offset feelings of loneliness when working from home, it's not as easy as just going into the office. We have to have certain interactions in the office. Is that right? Yes. So we have found, um, and it's actually now a um, MIT Sloan Management Review paper, that it's actually colleague support. And interactions with colleagues rather than managers or other types of sports when you're in the office, offsets that sense of loneliness, even when you're working from home. So if you get that connection with colleagues when you're in the office, say three days a week, it actually stops you feeling as lonely when you are at home. Even if you're not getting so much, you know, contact people at home, then actually just having a really valuable connections, I guess, in the office is super important. So we found that it's really that colleague support, which is very protective. This makes me wonder about the power of teams and how their ecology has shifted and changed over the last few decades. Mark, can you tell me a bit about this? You know, we've been studying and thinking about teams for a, for a very long time, really since, you know, sort of the 80s is when they became super popular and super trendy. And they were viewed and approached really as the counterpoint to the traditional hierarchical model um, and saying, look, we can create these, these very dynamic, uh, very, very close to the end user. And when the end, when I say the end user, I mean, who's receiving the end goods. It doesn't have to be a user. It doesn't have to be an external client. We created a working unit that was super proximate to where we needed it to be. Now that over time became, you know, that, well, that became more popular. That became the dominant structure. Then give or take the, I'm ballparking here, but late 90s or 90s into thousands, virtual and, and remote started become, becoming more popular. Um, and I've been studying virtual remote teams, sadly admitting my age for about the last 25 years. They're not new. But it used to be a niche thing. So the, the, the sort of ecology, when you look at the, the sort of landscape, the, the ecosystem of teams, it went from being this thing that you use sometimes in, in hierarchical organizations to being the way in which we organize to being, hey, but now we have to start thinking about this new flavor and this remote thing. And we have to talk about virtual and cross-cultural and dealing with time zones and working across languages. You know, my, my advice is always put an expiration date on the way in which you're working. You know, milk has an expiration date for a very good reason. So should your team, so should the way in which you work. Because one of the challenges is if you create a team that is perfect for that environment, 
you better be ready for the fact that that environment might change. There might be a pretty major shift. And that major shift leads to uh, a situation in which what you built and crafted so lovingly and so perfectly and got just right no longer fits anymore. And Mark, you heard about this sense of upheaval when speaking to workers even before COVID about the agility of teams and how it can hinder a sense of belonging. What we found was people were actually lonely as a result of some of the structural things like like working agile, moving people in and out of projects and teams very fluidly and rapidly. That triggered loneliness and feelings of isolation because I didn't have the time to spend with a group of people to actually build those relationships. Instead, you know, as soon as I started, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm starting to connect. This Lisa, she's pretty awesome. I'm starting, oh, nope, sorry, we're now not on the same team anymore. I've been moved to something else or she's gone somewhere else. So even the structural piece around the fluidity, the dynamism, the way in which we're reconstituting teams has a big impact. And don't get me wrong, I love Agile. I, my, my training, I'm a, I'm a reformed computer scientist. So I came from that world and it's an incredibly powerful tool for being adaptive to your environment in terms of being adaptive to your customers, to your clients. People want different things. Because it's so dynamic, it's a fundamentally adaptive approach. It's great in a lot of ways. But any model that basically shakes up the social structure with great flu- great frequency and does that easily, rapidly, etc., we're going to see these same sorts of effects. There's nothing specific. So let me be clear. There's nothing specific to Agile in terms of saying Agile isn't an especially toxic thing. It's just the dynamism that's involved in that structure. And so, Mark, knowing loneliness is a structural and organizational issue, what can we do as individuals about our feelings of loneliness? For me, the the most important first step is recognizing that it is, you know, in a certain sense, it's not your fault. It's not a bad thing. It, it is a thing, right? So recognizing that loneliness is something that, A, you're not alone. The data is widespread. There's a massive, massive increase in feelings of, of isolation and loneliness. What I'll, I will add to it uh, as, as a correlate is also burnout. Burnout has been a, a massive epidemic as well. People are just feeling stretched you know, one of the reasons why do people feel so stretched? I mean, A, yes, they're working really hard. Absolutely. But they don't have the social support. The loneliness contributes to that burnout because I don't have somebody that I can offload to, that I can load share with and all of that. So first important piece is to, is for employees to own the fact that, look, this is okay. This is normal, but it is something that I can actually also work on. And I can work on this by by recognizing, for example, that, you know, working from home, while it might be super awesome for me because I get to hit that, you know, the, the exercise class that I really want to do. And then I get to go get my, you know, the, just the right matcha latte at the place that's just down the street because they don't have a good one near the place where I work. And then I get to do this and I get that magic of the schedule control and autonomy, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'm not knocking it at all comes potentially at the cost of social connection. And especially for those younger folks who are joining the workforce, who have joined it more recently, they may not recognize the deficit that they have in terms of, I don't have that strong of a network for when stuff gets tough. And what individuals need to do then is, to, again, to try to sort of offset that. What can they, they need to think actively about being able to step out 
and and actually build some more bridges, make some more connections. There's fantastic research coming that came out of Microsoft where they showed that the social network structures had fundamentally shifted. People spent less time building a diverse network and they spent more time going back to the same smaller and smaller pool of people. We started getting very, very uh, sort of closed in our network, going back to the same pool of people to ask whatever questions and to get whatever support. Sometimes we need variety. Sometimes we need some more people. So as an individual, you need to go out there and try to build and diversify your connections and your network. And Caroline, what's the take-home message for those in charge of teams? So I do think uh, a lot of it comes down to managers giving teams perhaps autonomy and having discussions, open discussions about how do we make this work. I think also managers can be uh, really uh, promoting sort of socialization, both in the office and online. So I think allowing people to take time to, you know, have that coffee break and things like that and whatever it is and have open spaces perhaps where people can collaborate and communicate and being okay with that. But also online, you know, having having those Teams chats and availability, just saying, you know, it's available that some people are available to chat to. Or even I think having like buddy systems for people joining of companies or if people happen to be working at home more for one reason or another than offering, you know, trying to set up a sort of buddy system where they, they have got someone that, that they are comfortable going to if they need some support or just want to have a chat, those sorts of things. I think that could be really helpful. Yeah, engaging sort of with a new way of working, I guess. And speaking of new ways of working, let's hear from Sasha Darcy from innovative work consultancy Inventium about how they're improving team connections. Because we are an all remote business, we have had to think quite critically about how we continue to build connection because there's sort of no going back to the office for us at this point in time. So we actually ran a team day a month or two ago now where we were trying to solve the challenge of how we continue to build our culture when we're not all together. We're not all under the same four walls and one roof. And one of the ideas that came out of that ideation was something that we're calling big personal goals. So what we're going to do as a team, for those that want to partake, you share a big personal goal that you're working towards, whether that is learning a language, whether that is learning how to cook, whether that is running a half marathon. And then as a team, we are going to set a six-month timeline and all hold each other accountable. So if you hit your goal in the six months, the business will incentivize that. So there will be a reward for hitting your goal. And that is just something additional that we can discuss when when we connect as a team so that we can support each other to achieve our goals. We can have check-ins to see how people are going. And again, it's just a different conversation starter than your usual. So for me personally, I really want to run a half marathon. I got quite sick a few years ago and running was something I used to enjoy and I, I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't run for some time. And I've started to get better in the last sort of year or so, and I'm building up my running again. So this is a really personal one for me because it's been quite a journey with my health. So that's something I've been able to share with my colleagues as well. That's really deepened the connection, sort of the why behind this seemingly usual goal is actually much more personal to me and and my health. Thanks to my guests and to producer Zoe Ferguson. She's not lonely. She's got me. And if you haven't heard the first episode of our hybrid work special, find it in our podcast feed. It's all about focus and where you're finding your flow state, whether it's at home or back in the office and why. 
Next time on This Working Life, we're putting away the soccer ball and chucking on a suit as we understand what skills sports give us and how useful they can be for business. I think discipline is a really big one. So having the discipline while you're at training with the team, but also outside of training. So doing the little things individually to really make yourself stand out and perform better than, say, your teammates, but also making sure you're doing the little things to enable the team to achieve their goals and not letting anyone down. I think that was probably one of the biggest things I've learned is just self-discipline, motivation and, and really driving towards those goals and that's definitely translated in my current role and day-to-day life as well. I'm Lisa Leong and until then, love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.